Blog Talk Radio. Controversial conservative talk show host the left hates. Romeo Hill. On the Romeo Show. Call him now at 516-666-9806. And it all starts now. And of course, as always, thank you ladies and gentlemen for joining the Romeo Show. We heard for the lovely introduction. Remind us to buy new batteries extra. I guess you could call it the bumping in your race if you will. So thank you, Shaniqua. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to be doing very many politics. We are going to be talking a famous musician, singer, songwriter, and singer, Dave Braley, who um, I just had a little quick, quick, ah, quick, brief conversation with him. And David sounds like, hey, I could take lessons from this guy. So ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to my friend, and possibly might be my new singing coach, David Braley. David, how are you, my friends? And thank you for joining the show. I'm ah, oh, thank you for having me. I'm doing excellent. Thank you. How are you doing there, uh, Rob? I am doing fantastic. So, David, really quick, I I want to know a little bit about you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, well, I'm new to Phoenix. I just moved out here, which I'm sure every native Phoenician is like, no, no more new people. But uh, I just moved out here from New Jersey about a year and a half ago. Uh, I was raised in New Jersey. I was born in England, in Devon, England. It's the southwest, right on the coast in a uh, city called Exeter. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, raised in New Jersey and uh, started performing at the age of 13. Um, and that was uh, and that it, that was that. I, I loved it so much, so I just kind of kept going. 25 years later, here I am. Wow. And here's my first question for you, David. I, I know you're probably going to get used to this because, heck, maybe one day we'll catch you in Broadway or Hollywood. But how did you get <laughs> in the what, – what made you burn – that put that passion inside you you know um it's kind of weird i i when i was 13 um i auditioned for my very first music school you know junior high school musical um it was all george m cohen music uh which he wrote things like you're a grand old flag and um uh yankee doodle dandy all those tunes um so i did a, a did that show i auditioned for it because a few of my friends were auditioning and I thought, well, why, 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 why not? Um, but before I ever did any of that, I actually just used to sing in the mirror to like things like, even though probably doesn't sound great these days, to Michael Jackson, uh, to young Michael Jackson. I used to like uh, love the Jackson Five to sing and do concerts in the mirror for an audience of myself. Uh, and and I just I loved it as a little kid, and then. When I found it again once I was 13 and took off with it, that was really the end of it. Um, I just, it was, it was the one thing that I had in junior high school that I was really good at. Everybody was finding their way through in sports or something like that, academics. 
I mean, I wasn't stupid, but I was I, I was a smart guy. But um, the entertainment, the theater, that's just where all of a sudden people looked at me different after I did that. After I got a role and I performed, they all saw me differently. You know, I wasn't just that scrawny kid that carried around a skateboard and big baggy Janko jeans, you know, that everybody can pick on. I was, I did something that people looked at and actually thought, wow, some that was really cool and enjoyed it. And then I just kind of got high off of that and never stopped. So I don't know if it's so much a, a person or, or how I got into it. It's the Jackson 5 that liked to sing. And then when I found out I was good at it, it, pulled, it just pulled me in further and further. Uh, once I finished, once I got through high school, um, did all the high school musicals, and I, I did every, um, every community theater show I could possibly do, uh, then I decided to go to college in New York City. Uh, I went to college for musical theater um, at the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in Manhattan on the Upper West Side. It was, uh, at the time, it was just a two-year conservatory. <clears throat> I did that, and then right from there, I started um, auditioning in my fourth semester, which is the end of the second year. started auditioning during the day and classes at night. And I got my first job out of New York City in Pennsylvania and uh, at 20 years old. and just kept hitting the pavement and, and sending out, you know, all the information and auditioning and auditioning and just kept working ever since. Um, well, I did about if, three, four years. If you pardon the pun, I mean, you're certainly no longer a skater punk. I mean, you're a big headliner. And real quick, David, before we continue, I do want to ask you more questions and hear your story. But, you know, you're kind of talking about how you're, when you first start out your singing, I everyone to go to bringmedia.net and go check out David Brayling's singing. Please go check him out. Be nice to him. He's a really nice guy. I like this guy. He might be my vocal coach. You never know. One day, this guy, you know, this guy's going to probably be big in Hollywood. So go check him out and give this guy some love because this guy, David, you came a long ways, it sounds like. And honestly, here, you know, I, I, you have, you know, speaking of music, I, I noticed that on your repertoire of music love, you have a thing for Gershwin. Like, I, I okay, I'm going to stop there, but you know, you know what I mean. Like, I'm a classical music kind of guy myself, like Mozart and Bach and, you know, God, I'm going to botch that Chopin. name too, uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, the guy that Chopin. did the funeral march. <laughs> yeah, Sean. Yes. What's your yes. favorite Gershwin music? Uh, Rhapsody in Blue. It oh, my gosh. No, not even I... any singing, but Rhapsody in Blue. That's, that's. I mean, I mean, it's the most popular, but it's just so beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I've, I've also, I've always wanted to do Crazy for You, which is, is uh, one of the bigger musicals that he's done. I mean, he's done so much. Uh, Gershwin, uh, just like Irving Berlin, Gershwin, Rodgers and Hammerstein. There's so much music that they, they've created that really never hit the stage, or it might have hit the stage, but it hit the stage for about a month and a half during the Great Depression mm -hmm. or during trying times, World War One, um, and because the attentions, everything was so manic, kind of like now, everything was so manic, they would have to change the music all the time. So there's just vaults and vaults of music that either has never been seen or has not been even heard since 1930s, 1950s, 1940s, you know, and it's just 
amazing what they have to do. But I would definitely say Rhapsody in Blue would be. Oh, isn't Crazy for You, isn't that a romantic comedy musical with a book by Ken Lewick, lyrics by Ira Gershwin, music by George Gershwin? That's the one. Yep. With the, with the fantastic, uh, the the beautiful, yeah, with the with the beautiful, um, very popular. It's been covered by so many people: Frank Sinatra, Bobby D, I believe. Um, oh, I can't think of her name. Um, anyway, um, but uh, someone to watch over me, which is just one of their most uh, prolific and popular tunes as well. I got requests coming in from our, our uh, listeners. If you guys want to join the conversation, call it five. 6-9806. Join the conversation. Ask questions to David because David is a great guy. I'm starting to like him. But David, you're saying, Romeo, you're a musician too. And I, well, I'm a new musician. And trust me, there's a lot that you could critique me through that later. <laughs> that maybe one at some point before our show ends, we could do a little Michael Bubbly moon dance. Oh, I heard yeah, you're a Michael definitely. Bubbly guy. I, I I heard you're a Michael Bubble guy. I like Michael Bubble. Yeah, yeah. My I, I'm a I am a fan of the the Michael Bubble. Um, he's a he's there's I I've just always liked his voice and I, I like how he's brought um, the classics. You know, Bobby D, Frankie Sinatra. You know, all of that back um, and in a in a popular way and for younger ears. Um, Lots of really great standards, so I've always appreciated. I appreciated his his arrangements and his music, and then you know his abilities. He's he's. I've always said he stole my career, but uh, I'm happy to let him have it. <laughs> well, that that's. By the way, for some of you watching, um, for some of you watching over me, Ella Fritzeland or Linda Rodcaster, um. I think that was the one Ella, that we were okay. thinking of, wasn't that? Yep, someone to watch over me, Ella Fitzgerald. Yep, Ella Fitzgerald did it. Um, yep, and um, so, Clooney. I'm trying not to botch the name. <laughs> okay. She's very beautiful. She's got eloquent. She's got some impeccable vocal cords. But speaking of impeccable vocal cords, uh, what did what? Who influenced you to start dancing and being a musician? <sighs> I I think I just wanted to learn more. I don't, I honestly, like, growing up, I don't, I didn't grow up going to musicals all the time. Once I got more into it, I started going, but I didn't really have one person. Um, I loved watching Ben Ver um, I used to watch him on Zoogly Zoo when I was a little kid, and um, he was, he was always pretty fantastic. Um, as far as music goes, it was pretty much anything. I grew up, growing up in an English household. We, uh, I always listen to things like um, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, um, David Bowie, uh, often the Beatles as well. I was a huge Michael Jackson fan as a kid, as I said before. I, I think just being around all different types of music uh, consistently. Sundays were was like family cleaning day. I kind of say it like it sounds like we're the beavers or something, but it wasn't like that. It was, you know, just everybody get off the way so mom and dad can clean the house and they flare music and they pull out their old 45s and just play everything. And I would just be immersed in it. And uh, I think just having that appreciate for, appreciation for different styles of music just kind of led me to where I am now. Just I have always had an interest and wanted to learn more. Well, and speaking of being a very musically talented, David, have you ever thought about, you know, 
putting out your own albums ever before? Uh, that's it. Yeah, I would, you know, I would love it. One of the things, however, one of the things that I do not excel at uh, completely or I'm not as confident is creating my own music. Uh, I have, um, but I don't share it often because I'm a perfection perfectionist. And uh, once I listen to something of my own over and over again, by about the 45th time, I'm ready to throw it out the window. So, um I would love to do an album with covers, which is going to be uh, one of my goals as the industry starts to open back up, I start to work, and then I can start having a little bit more capital in my in my own business entity that that I utilize when I'm working. It's in the book. Okay. It's, on, it's in the work. Uh, okay. So here's another question because, you know, as a musician, I, I am starting to learn in my own ways. But when you were starting in – were you ever scared, nervous, excited? How did you feel when you first started performing? Uh, I think the first time, I still kind of remember when I went to, uh, when I auditioned for that first musical when I was 13, I was so, I was shaking. I put down my skateboard, I got up there, I was visibly, and then, have you ever listened to the band Presidents of the United States of America, PUSA? I might have, but I just don't remember it. They did a song called Peaches. It's like the corniest music, but it's very fun. Anyway, oh, they yes. did a song called Lump. I have. Yeah. So they did a song called Lump, and that was the song I sang as my very first. Um, and I was just scared out of my mind. Absolutely. Uh, and then once I got up on stage and the show was ready to happen, I think the the most scared I've ever been was that very first show that we had to do in front of our peers because when you do a high school or junior high school musical you have a day where you do a show for the entire school and that's probably the hardest audience you'll ever face is a junior high school crowd um and uh i was very i was i was I was pooping myself, let's say that. Huh. Well, speaking of uh, performing, you are now a, I guess you could call it a sensation on cruise ships. You have done, like, you have vast experience of performing everywhere and everything from, like, Gershwin, Elvis. You have a lot of high energy. You You make people tap their feet. But what made you want to decide from not going out and and being like a Hollywood star and deciding to go on a cruise ship. What made you want to do that, David? Um, yeah, no, that's a, that's a really great question. Thank you. Um, I was, I first started when I got out of college, at, uh, finished college at 20, I started working regional theaters. So regional theaters in Summerstock. Summerstock is basically in a summer. It's a great way mm-hmm. to get about six or seven shows under your belt within a summer. You work there for mm-hmm. about seven, eight weeks and every, and you rehearse and open a show in two weeks and then you run that show for another two weeks you have a week off and while you're finishing up the first show you start rehearsals for the second show so you're rehearsing all day performing matinee and nighttime shows and you do that all summer with about one day off every two weeks um i started doing things like that to beef up my resume and then i got into uh equity 
Theaters, which was uh, which is our union, Equity Actors Equity uh, Association, and uh, started getting into into doing those. The only unfortunate part of it all was the money wasn't the best. It was regional theater. I was in East Bumble, Indiana. I worked in Akron, Ohio, in the Kenny Bunks in Maine. I got to perform for, you might like this, uh, uh, George W. Sr., which was fantastic because awesome, he was an awesome, awesome in the theater in Maine. Well, so, but it was all really great and a lot of fun, but the money just wasn't there, and I was ready for the next level. So what I did is I got some friends together, and I had them record me doing a show or doing the show that I was in at the the time and uh, a couple of extra numbers on an old camcorder. I dubbed it all by hand with a VCR and the camcorder hooked up to the VCR to put it all a whole bunch of clips on one VHS tape. I made 28, almost 30 VHS copies of this one tape and sent it to everybody. Broadway, casting directors uh, for Broadway, agencies, off-Broadway uh, off Broadway national tours, companies, and cruise ships. The first, per the first group that got a hold of me within a few weeks after sending those out was a, was a company based out of Florida that uh, put shows up on celebrity cruises. And 10 days after the contract finished in Indiana, I was in Orlando rehearsing for my very first cruise ship, and I just kind of never looked back. I was I was the lead singer in a show. Before that, I was I did a couple leads, but it, it wasn't as I was doing. I had a lot of it was a lot of pressure, but it was just I got out of the musical theater bubble and I got to sing that Ray Charles. I got to sing a little bit of country. I got to sing classic. I got to sing musical theater. I got to sing just a bit of everything, and I loved that. And I was like, ooh, I want to keep doing this. I like this. Plus, I mean, you can't beat you know, going to, to your contract. Oh, yeah, no, I'm just going to do a six-month contract. I'm just flying out to Rome. You know, no big deal. It was just, it was mind-boggling. And I, I stayed with, I did one contract with Celebrity. I, spent, I went to Carnival Cruise Lines, and I spent eight years with Carnival Cruise Lines. And then I went to Royal Caribbean, spent four years with them, and just had an absolute blast. It sounds like you're pretty big on the cruise lines. Now, here here's a question because you know, some there's you were saying that there's a difference between what the theater life was like and the cruise life was like. So, what are the audience on the cruise ship? Are they any different from those from the normal typical conventional or are they kind of just the same? It, no, they're different. They're a lot more intoxicated. <laughs> Which probably makes better. It fun. Makes it, it, it'll probably make me sound yeah. a lot nicer if I was. I mean, if I was singing on a cruise ship, I think we're here in a few minutes after our break. We might get in some Michael Bubbly or Bubbly part. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure if anybody was intoxicated and listening to me, they'd probably think just maybe two or three beers. I would probably sound very good but unfortunately i don't from what i've listened it doesn't sound like anybody needs beer to to listen to you you have a very good voice and i and can we real quick real quick michael i mean david uh i want to kind of trickle down here onto our commercial but i want to actually take a minute and play one of your songs is that okay absolutely go I, for it that'd be great because david this is you, my all by myself. When yeah, you sang all this, by myself, you, I could, I took a listen to this, David, and I have to say your voice 
Wow. Let's take a quick listen. I really appreciate it. I I love it. Let's take a... We'll be right back on the Romeo Show. All by myself in the morning. All by myself in the night. I sit alone with a table and a chair. So unhappy there Playing solitaire All by myself I get lonely Watching the clock on the shelf I'd love to rest my weary head On somebody's shoulder I hate to grow older all by myself. David, I have, I'm sorry I called you Michael, but to be honest with you, you have that Michael, Michael bubbly voice. Like when I'm hearing your pitch range, you hit that talk, not that where it's not, you go exactly on his range. You're not hitting it lower than him, it is the exact range. I guess we could just start calling you the next Michael Bubbly. What I mean, hell, you, you know, might have I, it. You got it. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I mean, that's I, that, that's a great honor. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the compliment. It does. Oh. <laughs> hey, man, you got a podcast. I don't have anything like that. That's pretty badass. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not David Bubbly. Dude, I am not like you, Danny. So stop trying to butter me up. You're my guest. You have our voice. But ladies and gentlemen, David, do you think you can send our phone number? It's 516-666-9806. See if you can come up with a beautiful jingle. I, I, I want to see if the the jingle you can come up with. Oh, gosh. All right. Let's see. 516-666-9806. Oh. <laughs> um, what, are you really from the, you're, are you from the South? You're Southern Romeo, correct? Where in the South are you yes. from? I have family that is from Tennessee. Okay. All right. Like Nashville, Chattanooga. Gotcha. All right. So we could do like, um, or we could do a Michael Bubbly. We'll do it, do it, uh, yeah, call, um, call in the Southern Romeo, 516, he's not from the sticks, 516-666-9806. Oh, damn, I hope Scott was listening. We need, Mike, man, we have to use that, David. Can, before the show ends... I need to ask if you and Scott, me and Scott and you, could go into a Facebook Messenger call. I need, I, oh my God, I think I just peed my pants. I feel like I'm a fangirl over here. Oh, my God, I'm fangirling over here. Dane, I am fangirling hard. I, I'm a guy. Oh, I, 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 I'm a straight guy, but, damn, I am fangirling hard over here. I am jealous. <laughs> How could you? Thank you, David. <laughs> well, it's beautiful to have a guest like you. But we got more questions for you, though. Are you ready for to be back on the hot speed of uh, who wants to answer twenty-one questions? Let's you do don't it. win prizes. 
We're not like Oprah. That's all right. Just, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> I'm just happy to be. Well, I'm happy. I'm. I am like. I am fangirling. You hard. And me both. I, I, no, well, you shouldn't be fangirling over me, man. I I sing like. But uh, um, um, yeah. So what? What's the one most embarrassing moment while you were performing that you could give us? Like, if you have any, like maybe somebody threw up on you because you said there's a lot of intoxicated <laughs> people. Did you have somebody decide to want to give you a hug and be like, hey, buddy, or what was the worst? <laughs> so it wasn't, I'm trying to think, not so much on the, it wasn't so much in performance, um, but I was working on Royal Caribbean and I was doing a, uh, a, a Broadway style review show with the cast and with the whole cast, the live-in cast was what I used to do. Um, and uh, we had this whole, uh, there's this show called The Full Monty. It was on Broadway. It was a movie about this group of guys who decide to become strippers. None of them are very good. And they decide to do this strip show. It turned into a Broadway musical. And we did this song from that Broadway musical. It was called Let It Go. Now, during this song, we genuinely strip right down our boxer shorts that are rip-away boxer shorts. And we move behind a curtain. So right at the last minute, it looks like we're going to get completely naked. The lights cut out. We go behind the shimmer curtain. And then we run off stage to change into our next costume uh, for the finale. So we're doing this number, stripping, and it's awful. I can't. couldn't. It was the worst number in the show. I just hated taking my clothes. Um, and I pull my boxers off and I... Uh, I get behind the shimmer curtain. Behind the shimmer curtain, when we're performing, they're setting up the set for the finale, for the next scene. So there's a lot of stuff mm -hmm. going on behind this curtain. Once I get back there, I actually took too many steps back. I'm in nothing um, but like a tan tidy whitey basically. And I trip. Now, this is just in front of my dear friend Sadie. She was one of our techs. And I come back. I trip. I fall just ass over feet in the air and i'm basically naked except for these horrible little tan underwears this poor girl saw me from angles that no human being should ever see that was the most embarrassing wow and and i have to ask do you, i i know this may but have you ever told your girlfriend or or your spouse or partner to this story because this this story uh, i i i gotta be honest i've had an embarrassing moment yet as a singer but that is good that is like not good in a i'm laughing at you but it's just like funny because you're humble about it oh yeah you have to be you can't let those things get you down it's part of it at, at the end of the day the text and everything like that the cast we see each other backstage practically naked and all that sort of stuff all the time because it's it's but it's work right so when things like that happen sadie was more interested in whether or not i was okay making sure i didn't cut myself i didn't hurt myself i'm not bleeding uh all that sort of stuff it wasn't until after the show when we went to the crew bar and we sat down and i just said i'll never pay and we just laughed like laughed and splashed i kind of cried a little bit over my beer <laughs> well i gotta tell you this my producer scott who i i think your acquaintance is with would be perfect for this. Yes. I, I'm told he doesn't look very good in his shorts. <laughs> uh, no offense, Scott. We love you, bro. Just saying. And I'm going to have to give you some body color underwear just in case, too. Or maybe get Scott a bigger than whitey tidy. 
you know, <laughs> it's going to be good. I'm going to have to take a commercial break. I'm so embarrassed. You're listening to the Romeo and singer and dancer David David Brightly. Oh my gosh, I I am so embarrassed. But uh, we'll be right back. Orcas are wonders of nature, and now more than ever, we need to help them stay that way. Our Puget Sound orcas are also an endangered species, and that means stepped-up enforcement of special rules to view them. Stay at least 200 yards from orcas, keep out of their path, and never feed them. Check the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration guidelines to help protect all marine mammals at BeWhaleWise.org. A message from the NOAA Fisheries Office of Law Enforcement and Cairo. Hey, John, would you consider traveling to another planet if it was possible? Yeah, it depends on what time the bus leaves, Chuck. You're a real ground lever. <laughs> but you still want to tell everyone about the benefits of space technology. Sure, because they're so down to earth. Like the search and rescue satellites now in orbit around the planet. These high-flying listening posts can pick up signals from the emergency rescue beacons carried on airplanes and ships. When a boat capsizes or a plane goes down, the satellite locks onto its distress signal and relays its position to local search and rescue teams who go into action using the satellite to guide them to within a few miles of the site, even in the most remote areas. This worldwide emergency network has already saved over 800 lives. What's going on up there is helping all of us down here. Space technology. This is what's in it for you. knows that NASA works hard to keep its astronauts safe in space. But did you know that spin-offs from space technology are saving lives here on Earth every day? NASA-funded research created rocket-powered parachutes that can save entire airplanes along with their pilots and passengers. A life raft originally designed for the Apollo missions has saved hundreds of sailors stranded at sea. And a tiny cardiac pump developed with the help of technology used to design rocket engines has extended the lives of hundreds of patients with failing hearts. NASA's innovation even led to personal locator beacons, which have helped save more than 30,000 sailors, pilots, and adventurers in distress worldwide. Together with its partners, NASA continues to develop technologies that protect life, both in space and on Earth. There's more space in your life than you think. Learn more at NASA.gov. embarrassment i i plubbed up on that call i'm done fangirling over here man it's hot (laughs) in the studio over here we need a fan over here but speaking of fangirling you were talking to me stage a little bit david about what that embarrassing moment like what you were telling me um yeah that number that particular number the entire piece is it's choreographed so you're stripping to counts and music and bumps and booms chings of the music and stuff like that so in rehearsals when we very first learned the number our my buddy was the uh the the dance supervisor uh jason and he would he taught us the whole number and once we were done learning he brought all of the women in the cast and in these casts we usually have about eight to twelve beautiful women phenomenal phenomenal dancers incredible professionals and 
mostly wonderful people. Um, brought them in, set them right in front of the studio along the stage, taped out, taped out stage line, and had us perform that number in front of our cast of, of really beautiful young women. Now, this was about a week after I met them all. That was probably the worst experience. So it was a, it was a tough, it was a tough sell to get me to get me to do it and get me to do it confidently. It took a lot of work. <laughs> well, and I have to ask you now, David, because this is going to be a big question for you. So every time you hear or think of that song, will you shudder? You, you shudder, right? You kind of just like, ugh. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I get, I get, it's like, I have, yeah, I get flashback. I get flashback. <laughs> uh, what is, and they're not PTSD traumatic syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or PTSD performing to, uh, tra- uh, traumatic distress syndrome. syndrome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, how do you go out? Do you just go out and say, "Hello, I'm David, and we just met, and I like to dance for you." When you when you go out there, like I'm, I've watched a little bit of your performance, do you go out there and do like what Johnny Cash did and be like, "Hi, I'm David. I'm gonna sing and dance for you," or do you just start the number <laughs> right away? So my uh, what I do now is it's called being a guest. I'm a guest entertainer. I'm a headliner. So instead of working on, like I was telling you before, that story is from working on the cruise ship as a staff member where I lived there for six, seven, eight months. So now my headline shows, I have built it a way where um, if need be, I could do it. It's called, what's called a cold start. Um, I open with a song. Uh, I open with this song in my main show, Robbie Williams. If you know Robbie Williams, let me entertain you. I, uh, I start that. I start the show with that song. I kind of have it staged out pretty well, and we start right off with a song. I don't talk to anybody. I don't introduce myself until after the second song. Okay. So I just hit, I, I hit, I hit everybody in the face with some upbeat, fun music and a lot of lights and a lot of big band sounds and, you know, and everybody getting into it. And then I talk to people, you know, I, I want to get their attention. Yeah. And that's the importance of being a musician is that you grab the attention. Now, David, because I, I don't, I know that you used to do the cruise ships, but due to COVID-19, which I, I to, uh, pol- politics might fall a little into this category, but it's okay. I I can don't I assure I don't bite. I'm very friendly. But when it comes to like the COVID nineteen thing, it it kind of hit you hard, didn't it? And so, what are you doing nowadays? I uh, currently I'm driving. And how um, do you like I that? I started off. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> uh, you know the thing is, is that I, I it's. It's a job that gets me uh that that covers my covers my expenses. It it keeps my head above water. Um I I've never got I haven't gone this long without being on a stage since I was 13 years old. Um so I I it's, the only reason I dislike driving is simply because I'm resentful and I want to go back to doing what I do. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now is driving, uh, building um, a lot, trying my best to build up a lot of content to post on social media. So if anybody wants to follow me, please do. Hopefully now that things are starting to open up, I'll start, uh, hopefully I wouldn't mind uh, looking into trying to get some, do something locally would be nice. So can I ask you, David, and this might sound a little humorous but funny but weird so you met my producer so how did you like how did he just did you like sing 
all of a sudden pick them up and and use your voice, your gifted voice, and then just wow him and awe him and make his jaw drop and him <laughs> salviating out of his mouth for 45 minutes and a half, one hour to to finally uh, to to do it, and you'd be and all you had to do was be like, okay, just to shut you up and for you to stop drooling in my damn car, I'll be on the damn show. Is that how it works? <laughs> no, no, it was it was it was a lot it was a lot easier and a lot smoother than that. Uh, I picked him up to uh, to take him to where he needed to go, and uh, uh, he saw I put up a little poster in my back seat just saying, hey. You know, I'm an entertainer. Take my card. Follow me on social media. I post a lot of fun music covers, new music, some covers, and a bit of a bit of shenanigans. He took a look. He asked me a few questions and just asked, "Hey, do you want to be on a podcast?" I said, "Yeah, why not?" Pretty. It was a, it was a pretty pretty easy conversation. Kind of hooked up really really well. And it's been you know you guys have been nothing but kind since. So it's it's been great. Well, that's good. Now, before we get into a, a really hardball question, have you thought about kind of putting a twist to your? Because I know you were saying that sir, you were resentful. What uh, specifically you're something? But well, I, I want to get to that question here in a bit. But have you thought about like taking the dash cam of and just having fun with your passengers by just using your voice, singing, having fun, kind of dancing? And putting that on YouTube and still be able to use your voice, at least a little performance on your channel. Have you thought about doing something like that, maybe? Uh, not really, no. I, I, I haven't. Uh, I usually drive first thing in the morning. And uh, 5.30 in the morning, singing to people usually doesn't... Singing to people going to work usually doesn't uh, go over too well <laughs> if they if they haven't had their coffee. No, not really. What I, I usually what I usually do honestly is when I'm done with work, I come I work on material on my own and I share it with friends. And I uh, I have voice lessons with my buddy Lloyd who lives in Branson, Missouri. I have a few friends out in Vegas that I get into in touch with and get to jam with online and stuff. Occasionally on Zoom. You could do Zoom video jam sessions, which is kind of fun. So little things like that is kind of how I just try to make the best of it. Well, I I found you a uh, a new, I guess what we call it, a new business. It's called Musical Cruising with David. And why not? I mean, you get the benefits of it. It's a win-win for everybody. Everybody gets to enjoy your musical talent. You get to enjoy singing and rocking and hey, you know what? Nobody walks away with a bad attitude. You you put a smile on everyone's face. Musical cruise with David. It's win win for me. It, you know, I'll have to. I'll definitely have to think about it. Put a little tip jar in the middle of uh, on my center console there. <laughs> uh, yeah, just make sure it's one that it's not like a cookie jar where people can grab into it and run. But um, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll let you steal the title. If fish on that one but uh seriously you said that you're resentful what specifically are you resentful of uh it was just it just the situation tough situation with COVID-19 hitting I, I did end up catching it and I in September of last year which didn't make things any better I, I was just I was I was frustrated because over the years Working on cruise ships, I've been through the swine flu, the bird flu, Zika virus was a big one when we were in the Caribbean. And to to me, working in my bubble, I thought I thought, oh, it, it's just another swine flu. It'll be gone in a few weeks. Not a big. But when it actually hit, and the 
the gravity of everything laid in and everything started shutting down. And then you see certain things happening where it's like, well, we're perpetuating a problem. Can we just all do do something together? Can we all do something together so we can end this? And it felt like I, I, it was, it's kind of like being stuck in the middle of an argument with your parents when you have, I mean, not to dive too much into the political because, you know, I, that's not my, that's not my, my area. Um, but it did, it felt like, you know, it's just two polar opposites and nobody really looking for an end game to get everybody back to work. On top of that, it was really hard seeing things like the NFL, NBA, I mean, honestly, as an entertainer, especially if anybody, any of your listeners have ever been in the arts, they all know going to high school or even college, the arts are the ones that the arts always get asked. They're the last thing that ever gets back to or ever gets funded, gets helped, always the last thing. Yet we produce some of the smartest people out there. You know, all the valedictorians are members of bands in the chorus, in the, in the musical, and it gets, it gets lost. And I just kind of felt that resentment of being left behind as slowly things started to adapt to whatever, quote, the new normal was going to be for that moment in time. Attainment and cruise ships especially were shafted aside and so that that's why i was resentful right now we have celebrities started their first cruise in june i believe it was like june 28th i think it was on the millennium i don't remember if it was out of florida or not but it was out of the state royal caribbean started in uh started july so just started this month Norwegian, I believe, is starting around October, uh, October possibly, or is that Oceana? They're starting up. Things are starting. Uh, Princess Cruise Lines is starting in September. They're starting up, but they're starting up very The problem, biggest problem is, is staffing. Uh, they staff and crew, the crew are from all over the world. We have up to 50 different, we have 50 different nationalities, tons of different cultures, tons of different languages, all working together. And during a global pandemic, trying to get all of them onto a cruise ship, especially a, a large amount of our of cruise ship employees are from places like India, who are being absolutely destroyed by COVID-19 currently. So that makes it a little bit more difficult. So it's going to be a slow process happening, especially with the CDC, the mandates and things, and the, the daily adaptations they have to make to their schedules, to their cruising. But it's coming back. It's difficult. It's very complicated. Um, but it, it, is, it is slowly but surely coming back. And uh, hopefully... By middle of next year, we should be fully, the cruise ship industry should be back on. Well, thinking back, there was a similar appeal after 2011 World Trade Center attack of performers in New York trying to get audiences back. They were doing videos and so on. What campaigns are you possibly aware of now? Uh, Royal Caribbean and Carnival. Well, every, most ships that are uh, coming out of the States Per CDC guidelines have to do one cruise that's called a test cruise. Those test crews are actually volunteer guests that come from all over the country. They um, put out a feeler on Facebook. A few months ago, Royal Caribbean put out a feeler asking, hey, if we were to do a free cruise, a test trial run for the CDC, it would be completely free 
Who would volunteer to come for us? Within a few days, they had over 150,000 volunteers. So the cruise, the, the, the desire for people to come back and cruise is still, it's, it's higher than ever, really. People are ready, and people are ready to do what they need to do to get out there, travel, and enjoy a good vacation after 18 months craziness. So, I mean, I think we're looking, the demand is high. The demand is still very high, which is nice. And we really, the cruise industry didn't really have to do anything. They have such loyal guests, such loyal uh, uh, following that the diehard cruisers are just, they're ready to come back. It's exciting to, because I think the industry is going to come back. It's going to come back a lot stronger. Well, and that's good. I know uh, about the public service announcement, will you please let my uh, manager know that we can post that here at because we we would like to know more about that and you know I'm also thinking about maybe going on a cruise with my grandma here at some point but um, yeah we'll get a PSA on that as soon as you let us know more information on that could you do that for us absolutely I actually have a I have a a meeting with my agent on the sixth of next month. So if I get any updated new information that's uh, also accessible to the public, but I get it first, I'll definitely shoot it your way. All right, awesome. Well, David, we will be right back after this message. They said method help me get through my exams. Totally safe. I could party all night. It would help me forget my problems. He said he'd love me forever. They said I wouldn't get hooked after the first hit. They lied. They lied. He lied. Find out the truth. The truth about drugs. Drugfreeworld.org. Drugfreeworld.org. According to the Oxford English Language Dictionary, cyberbullying is the use of electronic communication to bully a person, typically by sending messages of an intimidating or threatening nature. This definition doesn't differentiate about the age, education level, or even the emotional or experiential levels of a person receiving these types of words, images, or videos. Cyberbullying is bullying. And because the Internet travels across state lines, bullying someone online can be legally viewed as a federal offense. And based on the situation, cyberbullying can be remedied under civil or criminal law. And oftentimes, based on the actual and potential degree of harm, most U.S. states, Canadian provinces, and many countries have also made special efforts to address this growing issue. In fact, cyberbullying is often viewed as a form of criminal harassment. Research indicates that persistent bullying can lead to or worsen feelings of isolation, rejection, exclusion, and despair, as well as depression and anxiety, which can contribute to suicidal behavior. Interestingly, according to StopBullying.org, Incidents of cyberbullying are often part of a complex interaction. While there might be one ringleader, bystanders may be involved as well. Usually, these accomplices can be legally viewed as being just as guilty as the principal person or persons who are committing unwanted aggressive behaviors online. If you or a loved one has been affected by cyberbullying, don't ignore it. Reach out to the platform that has hosted the cyberbullying exchange. These entities have the names, account information, times, and even the ISP addresses of those involved, and are able to take the appropriate action against those accused. This includes various sanctions from their business, including account termination. And while they have, 
and can use this user information to bring cyberbullying to a stop on their platforms once it's reported. You have the power before you even click for help. Don't try to fight cyberbullies alone, and don't empower them in allowing their attempts to ruin your life. Cyberbullying is bullying, and this online viciousness stops with you. Message from the Weird Media Network, Video Fun Southwest, RightWingMedia.net and the station. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with the Romeo Show. Oh, my goodness. I am fangirling hard over here, David. I am still... Oh, I need to... I need to have, hold on. Where's Scott? Scott? Scott, can you find me a fan over here in the day studio? Fangirling over here. I'm caught in here. I swear, I'm not a girl or anything, but damn. I just wanted to congratulate you guys on a good show. Uh, unique singing, Romeo. Uh, definitely stretching your borders and reach. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, fascinating. To, yeah, but fascinating to hear uh, David describe what it's like on the uh, on a cruise ship and and some of the strange experiences they've had. And I'm glad, David, seriously, not only for you being on the show, but I think this is going to be another way that we convey to people how much it's needed that the performing arts, whether they are a flow, pun intended, or whether they're at a con- uh, venue, need audiences. And I'm really impressed that you are helping you know, make people aware of that, how important that is, of course. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. And it, you're right. It is, it's very important. And it's, you know, it's a passion of mine. It's something, it's just something that you, you can't get these, those feelings anywhere else besides live entertainment. You know what I mean? Live entertainment, it fills you up with something. You're, you're there, you hear the music, the music's around you, live entertainment. It's, it's electric. And I think nowadays we need it more than ever. Yes, I agree. Now, I- and now, David, don't be afraid. Shaniqua is a AI or AI assistant, artificial intelligence system. She is very intelligent. I I can uh, confirm. She has, I <laughs> see that. That's Shaniqua. Yeah, my God. Please, Shaniqua, don't do this to me now, sweetheart. You're gonna blow my chance of being possibly the next Michael Bublé's son. Oh yeah. Don't. Oh my gosh. Anyway. <laughs> I want to ask you about what what is it that when besides being very music and God, I mean, we I'm just going to start calling you Michael Bubbly from now on. I mean, I <laughs> no offense to you, David, but uh, you you got me uh, all googly eyed trying to figure out how the hell how the hell did you get your voice? Like, were you blessed with it? Or did did you have to like sell your soul to like to a thousand people, or how did you do this? I mean, what what the heck? How I, as a performer, do you? How did you do this? How did you become so vocally entertaining? I I just I practiced, I trained, I I I had some of the best vocal coaches a person could have. I listened and I I was a sponge. I'd find people, I surrounded myself with people who were better than me, people who who I strived to be like. I watched other people and I learned. I think that's that's the only thing you really can do is just, it's practice, it's dedication, it's it's being a sponge and not not allowing your ego to get in the way of growing. Because a lot of performers, unfortunately, especially the younger ones, they do one thing and then 
they like what they do and they don't want to adapt. They don't want to be flexible. They don't want to listen to direction. Me, give me all the direction in the world. Tell me exactly what you need. How do I make this as good as possible? Help me. And I'll listen. And that's just kind of how I had my entire career. So now I'm at a position where I can work on my own. And while I still accept and invite the constructive criticism, I feel a little bit more confident going out and doing this by myself without the constructive criticism because I have 25 years under my belt of learning. Every performance opportunity is also another opportunity to learn something new. Learn something new about yourself, learn something new about the song that you're singing, learn something new about the audience person you're having, the interaction you're having with the crowd, the interaction you're having with a band on stage. Every day, you just kind of, each performance just kind of tightens those screws and angles everything just perfectly, just so, and it just gets better and better and better and better. And sometimes it blows up in your face and you lose your voice mid-show. So, I mean, you just learn as you go. Uh, that's, that's all I, that's what I've done. I mean, I just, I was a sponge. I listened and yeah, that's, that's pretty much, yeah, that's how I did it, I guess. Wow. And here's another one. Have you, how, when you've performed, have you ever had a moment I know this might be another embarrassing one for you, but have you ever had a moment where you're in mid-vocal rate where you're singing and then all of a sudden your voice is just poof? You've cracked it or like what you were saying, you've had your voice yep. poop out? Like, yes, it does. Have you ever had that? Yes. Uh, I, w I was on the Carnival Spirit and we were crossing over to uh, the time. I think, yeah, we were crossing over to, no, not to, no, this was the first time we went to Hawaii. So I was sailing out of Vancouver to Hawaii. We did the islands in Hawaii and then came back via Ensenada to San Diego. On the way to Hawaii, it's about four or five sea days. And I got to do my, my own, my headline show. And the first show, we had two shows that night. Uh, my first show, I get out there that day, drank all the water, I ate, I worked out, I sat in the steam room and sauna, did all my normal show, felt great. I went out, I started singing. I don't know whether it was the fog machine. I don't know whether the air was particularly dry, but by about the third song, I was basically, it felt like I was singing on beef jerky. Like my chords, my vocal chords were just so dry and I lost control of where I could put my voice, the chest and head voice. I turned around to our, um, Jesse, our uh, music director, and I said, quick, cut to the finale. I've got to get off stage. We went to the finale, which is a big Elvis number, Elvis medley. And I got through about the first two songs of the Elvis medley, which is maybe 40 seconds long, and basically went, thank you very much, Liz, good night, and walked off stage. Um, the cruise director comes on, and the audience is like, oh, man. You know, cruise director, oh, uh, and he was that Australian guy named Stu, lovely dude. They come come out. He was flustered because he was eaten in the mess, and he's getting a phone call saying, "Hey, you need to get up here and take off the show." Dave lost his voice mid show, so he runs up. He goes, "Oh, oh, uh, great show! Great show! Bring him on again, Daisy Brady." Meanwhile, I'm backstage, like mid crying, just so embarrassed and. And just oh, no. just scared because I just lost my voice. And I'm like, I got tears streaming down my face. I'm in the corner and I'm kind of like trying to compose myself. And I hear just 
him go, let's bring him back on stage, David Riley. And I'm like, you idiot. I got it. Oh, gosh. Run back on stage. Yeah, thank you. All right. Uh-huh. Take a bow, walk off. And I'm like, oh, it was mortifying. And they wanted but you I got to through keep, it. But why would he, this guy is so like, he doesn't understand the fact that you just basically pulled your, you just hurt your vocal, and he wants you to come back mm-hmm. out and do that. What? what? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Right. It, it, no, no. Uh, it was, uh, we had, we had a few words after it. We, we, we sat down, we had a conversation after, afterwards. I wasn't, I wasn't the happiest about it because I walked out and, you know, my eyes were already just like, you know, puffy and I looked like I've been crying for Christ's sake because I was. I was. I ran off stage and I was just, I was a hot mess. It's never happened to me. I thought, you know, what if I did hurt my, did I injure myself? Am I going to have to go home? You know, could this be career ending? All those things run through your head when you lose your voice. You know, I mean, this is, it's my money. It's, it's my lifestyle. It's my job it's my career and i was just i was i was a basket yeah he just decided to bring me back on for a second bow and i was like you (laughs) wow and here's the uh biggest question is that you were talking about like how like money i'm told weekly uh the equity pay is about like 17. Uh, it depends. They have different types of uh, tiers. They have tiered contracts. So say on Broadway, if you're an ensemble member on Broadway, I don't know if it's updated. It might be updated now and, and a little bit higher, but I believe equity base pay is like $1,800 a month, $1,800 a week. I'm sorry. Um, mm-hmm. which in, if, if you've ever lived in, I've lived in New York City and that's not enough to live. People still need to have, you know, side jobs and bartend on, you know, Mondays and stuff, which is, it's tough, but uh, it's the tier system for equity. It depends on what size theater it is, what type of contract it is. Uh, there are equity guest enter- guest artist contracts, which are different than the contracts you get on Broadway. So it's a very, it's multifaceted and it kind of adapts, the contracts kind of mold themselves or are uh, uh, relative to the theater that you're performing in and the finances and the size of the theater and, you know, what they can, what the backing. So like a place like Paper Mill Playhouse in New Jersey, which won the Tony Award for Regional Theater a few years ago, that place would have, is a regional theater, but that would would have a much different pay scale than, say, the Carousel Dinner Theater in Akron, Ohio. But they're both mm-hmm. So, it's, so it's just, it depends, just like anything else, the job. Is there, like, anything else you, as a performer, make, like, make it to Broadway or Hollywood or make your own album? I mean, you told me oh. that you were thinking about it, that you would like to. Have you thought more mm-hmm. about it recently? Um, making my own albums is something I definitely want to do. Again, that, uh, that, that requires a little bit more capital than I have currently because obviously with COVID, thanks COVID. Um, but the, uh, I love them. the next goal as, as of right now, I'm focused on getting back to, uh, the cruise ship, the guest entertaining career. I want to get that a bit under my belt, uh, get that to be a little bit more consistent and then see where it takes me. If you told me 18 years ago when I was graduating college, if you told me, dude, you're going to be you're going to be performing concerts on cruise ships in 18 years, I would have thought you were. You know, I didn't even know this was a job until I was <clears throat> on my first cruise ship and saw the, the first entertainer that came out and did a concert on a cruise ship. And I'm like, wait, that you can do that? 
that's a, that's a legit job, and that's been my goal ever since. So I've just kind of been very tunnel focused on becoming a guest entertainer, um, and wherever it takes me is where it takes me. Uh, the ultimate goal, and the ultimate goal has stayed the same since I was young, is I want to be able to live comfortably, do what I love to do, and hopefully raise a family do it one, doing it one day. That's it. That's my version of success. That's my version of making it. I still I get to travel. I get to do what I love, and I get to live comfortably. You can't ask for anything better than that, really. That's all. That's that's my main goal. Well, now, do you have to have any experience, like, with being able to be a performer on that cruise ship? Or oh yeah, you, yeah. You um, what yeah, are the requirements? Absolutely. Uh, you can. I mean, there are people that I've worked with who haven't had much in the way of formal training, but have beautiful natural talent. There's a young woman from England that I know who who can't read music for a lick. Basically, just listened to Mariah Carey on the radio over and over again. Loved it so much. Auditioned, and she sang a little bit locally, but never really had that formal training like myself. I, you know, the conservatory in New York. She just kind of like found herself singing and singing well and getting hired. So, I mean, it can happen for those people who have that natural talent that just comes out, they go to an audition, they give it a shot, and they get the gig. It certainly happens. But for the most part, most folks have resumes. They're coming out of college with degrees in musical theater or vocal performance. They, some folks uh, at the level that I'm at now as a guest entertainer with the agency that I'm with, we have folks that have been on West End. We have comedians from Comedy Central. We have, I mean, just tons and tons of people who've done really amazing things. To get yourself into it, honestly, all you got to do is work hard, have that talent, have the drive, and give it a shot. Now, I had a question. You said people from like, Comedy Central. Are you talking like Jeff Denham? Oh no, we we're not with uh, not Jeff Dunham, but people have done uh, stand up comedy for Comedy Central. So like people like uh, warm up acts that stuff like that, and then some of the headliner from Comedy Central people have been on uh, on television and guest starring spots or guest spots, things like that. We have one guy, Louis. Uh, he is he's from he lives in Vegas, and he actually I believe he made it to the top ten. In, the, in American Idol, uh, he's, he's a great guy, uh, really, really great, talented. And then we have my agent, Gary, is a flautist, and he has a long list of background and expertise and training in classical music and is very highly regarded in the classical world. Our, we have tons of uh, string musicians, I, we've got a, we just got another singer apparently who used to sing who sang backup for Yanni for years, which I didn't even know Yanni was still around, but apparently he is or whatever. But we've got her and she's phenomenal. So yeah, it all it all all depends. You know, you've got you've got someone like me who's just done ships and can do a good show, and then you've got someone up there like you know Louis who's done American Idol and has about three albums. Of- wow. Well, David, before we go, I just I I gotta say, man, that you you have talent. You can sing, you can dance, you basically could probably outperform anybody on American Idol or America Got Talent. I mean, 
Have you ever thought about going on America's Got Talent ever? Um, you know, I've gotten that question a lot, and every time they've actually come around, I've always been We're about employed. out of time, though. Uh, what's that? Sorry. I said we're um, almost out of time, but we got to go. I will see you guys next time. Thank you, David, for coming by. Thanks for having me.